Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. Our Father who art in heaven, the rocks cry out your fame. Come on, let your glory, come on, let your glory fall. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song to the Lord. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven every heart proclaims the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven god give us new every morning your mercy as daily bread in the name of Jesus we pray and lead us not to temptation but deliver us with your hand in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we pray Father we pray I will sing sing a new song I will sing sing a new song I will sing Sing a new song to the Lord. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every heart proclaims the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. For the kingdom is yours and the power is yours and the glory forever. Amen. Kingdom is yours and the power is yours and the glory forever. Amen. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every heart proclaims the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, every heart proclaims the mercy of your name. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, good morning, everybody. And welcome to Fusion at Hardewike. Uh, my name is John, and I'm visiting here. I'm a friend of Sarah's, and I've been here a few times before, so I remember a few familiar faces. Um, not, not everybody, but uh, whether you're here for a long time or whether you're somebody visiting, we just wanted to say welcome. And as we enter into worship, I want to invite you to stand as we enter into a time of singing. First, we're going to do the Christ candle reading. 
Make oh, was that first? I'm sorry. <laughs> You're okay. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Okay, now we're going to sing. <laughs> Jesus 
saved us, who gave us grace, who gave us the promise of life, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise in this place today. But as we come before you, we also recognize that we have faults and that we haven't lived up to all your expectations. So, Lord, we bow before you and we humbly offer this song as a prayer. Lord, I come I confess Bowing here I find my rest And without you I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart Lord, I need Oh, I need you Every hour I need you My one defense My righteousness Oh God, how I need you runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay when I cannot stand and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one 
my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and have a seat. Kiddos, it's time to head downstairs. Of course, we're going to send you over to the doors over there, and we'll send you off with our greeting. Good to see a bunch of smiley, happy faces this morning. My name is Nate DeWitt. I'm the youth pastor here at Heart Awake. If I haven't met or don't know you yet, it's good to see you all here this morning. Another big group today. Good to see all right, kiddos, you guys ready over there? You look ready. Adults, if you would join me, please. Adults, the Lord be with you. Fantastic. Love the energy. Good job, guys. We'll see you in a little bit. All right, that's going to take us into a time of prayer, so if you would join me, I'm going to begin with a few words from Psalm 27. Let's pray. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Lord, thank you for these words of encouragement. Uh, thank you for allowing us to live lives free of fear. Knowing that you are for us, that you want what's best for us, and in all things, even the hard ones, you are working for good. Lord, we ask for the strength, the courage, the passion, the leadership, the wisdom, and the boldness, and the loving hearts as we tackle the week ahead of us. Walk before us, Lord, so that we can feel confident in the roads we travel this week. Lord, thanks for the onset of summer. As we come out of the cold weather and embrace the warm sunshine and beautiful weather of a West Michigan summer, grant us rest, please relaxation, and enjoyment as we enjoy the excitement of the coming season. As we begin a season with a lot of travel or to the lake up north or to the cottage or other places, Lord, we ask for safety and a time to rejuvenate with friends and family. Lord, as we look forward to the coming season, uh, we know that there are many that are in seasons of hardship. There's illness, injury, and there's broken hearts that wear on many of our families. Lord, we boldly ask for healing, even miraculous healing. We would love to see your almighty hand at work in the restoration of the bodies, hearts, and minds in our community that are hurting. You are the great physician. Heal, Lord. Please heal. But Lord, even in the events that leave us in pain, we ask for your comfort and a sense of peace in knowing that you are still at work, just maybe in ways in which we do not yet understand. Lord, thank you for this community. The people of Hardwick are strong, compassionate, and loving. Thank you for putting every one of us here together to form an even greater whole. We ask, Lord, that you grant us opportunities to serve each other. And the drive to step out as a community of active believers, bringing your love to each other daily. Lord, we're grateful today for this time together. Please bless it. Help us to rest in your presence as we worship together. Help us to undoubtedly feel your presence 
and hear your voice today through our worship. Lord, help us to live lives this week through a lens of gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, thanks, Nate. Oh, don't leave me hanging. There. Oftentimes you give me the fist bump, so I thought I'd initiate this time. Yeah, there we go. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Fusion. Good morning, good morning. Just going to give myself some space to roam a little bit. That could be dangerous. Uh, my name is Pastor JB. It is good to be back. I was gone last week um, celebrating uh, last weekend. We were, we were here, uh, but wasn't, weren't here on Sunday. You're, you're following. Uh, but it was a good weekend uh, to celebrate 16 years of marriage with uh, my beautiful bride, Yvonne. And uh, yeah, you can, yeah. That. You did it. We did it, yeah. Uh, also, uh, it was an opportunity to take the kids to my parents' church for Mother's Day, and so that was just a wonderful little gift, too. Uh, just a few things just to highlight um, that are coming up. A big one is, it, when you came in, you get a little, this uh, bulletin that has some announcements, but a big one is, next week, we will not be meeting here at 1030, so you need to know that. Uh, we're going to be having a combined worship service at 10 a.m. Uh, for the holiday weekend, combined, all hard awake, uh, over on the, the lawn by the pavilion, so 10 a.m., combined worship service. It's going to be an excellent time of gathering together, enjoying creation to kind of kick off the summer season. Uh, the other one that you don't want to miss out on is June 11. June 11, we've been doing some potlucks, and uh, if you remember, one of the best potlucks is one that has some, some barbecue, some pulled pork, as well as brisket. All right, if you missed that last year, you don't want to miss it. June 11, uh, 11.45, 12-ish, after the, the fusion service, we'll be gathering in the pavilion for that if it rains, we'll still be doing it. We'll just do it here. So you don't want to miss that. And then also um, coming up this summer, I've mentioned this in weeks prior, but uh, we're going to be starting a new series looking at the Lord's Prayer called Teach Us to Pray. And as we think about uh, entering in and, and looking at studying the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus taught us to pray, we also want to step into opportunities to pray and to practice prayer, right? We don't want to just be learners. We want to be doers. And so we're looking at opportunities, and so look for those opportunities to encourage each other and in this practice of prayer starting this morning we are going to offer prayer after the service and so if, if you'd like to receive prayer for something specific or or if you just want someone to praise God with you uh, we're going to have uh, some people praying uh, up front after the service and kind of trying that out so uh, hear that invitation and receive that invitation as uh, we look at practicing prayer but this week, um, if you remember, a couple weeks ago, we wrapped up the story, uh, which was a 31-week study through the narrative of Scripture. And so in May, though, before we start the, the Lord's Prayer series, we had a couple Sundays where we kind of had some freedom to kind of discern uh, where the Spirit was kind of leading us. And when we have these, these happen a couple times a year. Uh, to me, it seems like a good opportunity to zero in on our broader vision and some of the specific emphases we've been kind of focusing on as a community here at Fusion. And so right on the screen, you'll see our vision statement uh, that's, that's on the screen every Sunday on, on the way in. It's in, on here. It's this vision to see everyone joining in the journey of being found in, formed by, and following Jesus. We're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. But here at Fusion, we've been uh, kind of, the, the first step of that we've kind of discerned is, is stepping into deeper connection. And so we've worked hard to create opportunities for, for you all to connect with each other through shared names. And you know, we have these schnazzy uh, name tags. It's not just a fashion statement, though it is 
pretty fashionable, I think. Uh, but that's so that we can learn one another's names, right? And then we want to share stories and we want to share experiences through potlucks, all in the, the hope of sharing life together. I'm crackling a little bit. We'll see how that goes. I might have to grab a, a microphone or I need to quit moving a little bit, all right? So shared life. We're, we're working toward deeper connections, right? And so as we, as we measure that level of connection uh, through these different levels, uh, it all come, connects back to this journey, this vision we call discipleship. That's really what the vision is all about. It's about discipleship. And so that leads us to our passage this morning. John's, um, as I was considering this vision statement along with this upcoming series looking at prayer, my heart was drawn to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. Uh, this is where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remember from our, our, our look at the book of John, the gospel of John, this takes place during Jesus' final evening with his disciples in the upper room. Uh, John's gospel records some of Jesus' final words to his disciples. It's referred to as the farewell discourse uh, in John chapter 13 through 17. Our passage this morning, John 15, comes during those final words when Jesus gives us this powerful word picture that offers insight. I'm going to bail and go with this. Because that's really distracting me. Does this work, Rich? All right. Can you hear me now? There we go. No more Rice Krispies. Snapple, snap, crackle, pop. All right. So our passage this morning comes from John 15, and, uh, and let's step into God's word this morning. John 15, verses 1 through 17. If you're willing, if you're able, I invite you to stand as we hear God speak to us this morning. Again, this is during the farewell discourse of Jesus to his disciples. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. You join me in prayer.
Gracious Lord, we thank you once again for your word. We thank you that the words on the pages of the scriptures have been preserved by your spirit, have been inspired by your spirit. And Lord, even as, as we read, Lord, your spirit speaks into our hearts. And so, God, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak into our lives this morning. And that in hearing from you through your word, Lord, you would continue to transform and shape us more into the likeness of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray all these things. God's people say, amen, amen, amen. About 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, in fact, it was the, the spring of 2011, Yvonne and I were, were living in a, in a church parsonage uh, adjacent to the church's sprawling community garden. And as we moved in kind of that first winter and we're kind of eyeing that big giant plot of garden space, we began to think, wow, gardening sounds like fun. <laughs> and here in my uh, kind of frugal nature, I'm thinking, boy, I could spend like 60 cents on a pack of seeds, throw it in the earth, and like a couple months later, boom, all these vegetables and I'll have like $100 worth of produce. It seems like a wise investment. And anyone who's ever gardened, gardened before is like, oh, you have, oh, you know, so, so foolish, right? Um, so here, I, we planted rows and rows in this community garden of, of vegetables, rows upon rows of squash and green beans and, and leafy greens and, and tomatoes and all of these different vegetables. And, uh, and, and what we learned was it's a lot more work than we anticipated. Amen to our gardeners? Uh, what I found is that that weeds seemed to grow better than uh, the vegetables I planted. Uh, what I found was that when I, when I plant a seed, the weed looks a lot like the seed. And I'm like, what do I pick? You know, I don't know what to weed out, right? Uh, we learned so many different things. And, and through that experience uh, and uh, a pretty minimal uh, harvest, I uh, learned a, a new appreciation for our farmers who know how to work the earth and produce a bountiful crop. And uh, to be honest, now, 10 plus years later, I, I'm, I'm kind of beginning to feel the same way about my lawn. Anyone else? Like, no, you guys are all wonderful, wonderful lawns. Okay, yeah, I, this is really hard to grow a lush lawn controlling weeds and, and crabgrass. I despise crabgrass with all my heart. Uh, it's really tough to, to, to nurture a garden or a lawn. And uh, You see, I understand the, the, the basics of how plants grow, right? We get it. I learned in grade school what a plant needs to grow, soil and water and light and all of these things. Uh, but I lack experience. And I lack the expertise in how to bring out a garden in my lawn's full potential. And, and, and similarly, the, the imagery that Jesus uses in John 15, I think, I think it's safe to say that most of us, we get it, Right? It's a pretty simple image that, that a branch needs to be in the vine, and if the branch isn't in the vine, it's going to wither. And like, like, we get that, right? We get the basics of this word picture. And this morning, what I want to do is, is just use this basic understanding of how plants work to just consider this imagery of a vine with the branches and how it informs the life of discipleship to Jesus Christ. Or another way of saying that apprenticeship would be another word that could translate here, but discipleship to Jesus Christ. And to God, us, uh, I'm going to just, we're just going to use three words that are used more than any other word in these 17 verses. Three words, uh, 
abide or remain. It's in the NIV, it's remain. Remain fruit and love. But let's begin with this word remain or abide. The word uh, here occurs 10 times in this brief teaching of Jesus, remain. In fact, John uses this word more than any other New Testament author. Uh, John, between the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, his, his letters, uh, he uses it 53 times, and the word's used 118 times in the New Testament. So about 40% of the times it's used in the New Testament, it's the author John who's using this word. But let's just consider what this word might teach us about our relationship to Jesus Christ. Again, remain or abide. Remember the context. Jesus is offering his disciples a word of comfort. Uh, at this point in, in Jesus' life, he's about to be arrested Jesus is about to be crucified. Jesus is about to be raised from the dead and then ascend and return to the Father. By the way, Thursday was, was Ascension Day in our church calendar. And so we remember that Jesus returned to the Father, right? And, and he sends his Holy Spirit and he's, he's telling his disciples about all of that is about to happen in order to prepare them for what is about to happen because the nature of the disciples' relationship with Jesus is about to drastically change. He's no longer going to be walking with them in flesh and blood, but he's going to send the Holy Spirit. So the nature of the relationship is going to change. And so he says these words, remain or abide in me as I also remain or abide in you. What does that mean? What does that mean to remain or abide in Christ? Let's quickly just do a word study. The, the, the word translated as remain or abide in the Greek is, is the Greek word meno. Do you want to say that with me? Meno, there you go. Uh, it is a word that can mean remain, as translated in the NIV, but its literal meaning is, is more like to stay, or to live with, or, or to dwell in, right? Um, it, it literally means to make one's home in, which is why I kind of prefer the word abide. Uh, we use the word abide, you can abide by the law, so it's following, but it's more archaic or older meaning is related to the word abode. Maybe we're more familiar with that, like my humble abode, right? Which means my home. And so the word abide really is related to that, like to make one's home in or to abide in uh, refers to a home. Uh, think, of, think, of, think of it this way. The, the meaning of this word meno goes beyond just hanging out. When I hear remain, like a friend hanging out at a house just kind of remains there, like hang out for a bit, uh, remain at my house for the night, you know, hey, just hang out. But that's different than someone um, making their home in your home, like moving in with your family. Like there's a deeper sense in, in my mind, maybe it's just me, but abide feels like a deeper, stronger sense of the word remain, abide. It seems, it feels more permanent. Now let's look at how John uses this word elsewhere in his gospel. He uses it more than any other author. And so let's just look at a couple of the occurrences because I think it could be helpful. There's plenty of times in John's gospel where he uses meno uh, to simply refer to someone staying in a certain place or staying over at someone's home, physically speaking. But there's also several instances where John uses this word meno to define certain relationships. Some examples on the screen. At Jesus' baptism, the, the Spirit descends and, and remains or abides on Jesus, right? Jesus says he abides, he remains, he menos in the one who eats the bread of life in John chapter 6. 
Then in John 14, when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, Jesus says the Father abides or remains in Jesus and the Spirit abides in his disciples. Additionally, in the farewell discourse alone, chapters 13 through 17, uh, Jesus multiple times uses the preposition in uh, saying to describe the relationship between the Father and, the, and Jesus, the Son, and the disciples and the Spirit, then also stating that all might be one. Uh, some examples where Jesus is in the Father, the Father is in Jesus, Jesus is in the disciples, the disciples are in Jesus. What does all of this language mean? Well, see, taken together, what it's getting at is it's telling us something incredibly profound in John's gospel that speaks to our primary identity as disciples of Jesus Christ. That we, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, have a home, abide in Jesus Christ, and Christ makes his home and abides and dwells in each of his disciples. Through Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit, we are mysteriously and and miraculously and profoundly brought into this perfect relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Trinity. We are brought into this relationship by the power of the Spirit in Christ because of what Christ has done on the cross. And and what scholars, what theologians will call, will, will, will describe this as union with Christ is the term, theologically speaking. In there's this uniting, this union with Christ. To put it more simply, our identity as Christ's disciples is now found in Jesus. Just as our vision statement says, right? To see everyone joining in the journey of being found in Jesus, our union with Christ. You see, the scriptures use a variety of images to to help us understand this this beautiful mystery of the gospel, this union with Christ. Uh, Here in John 15, it's it's branches that you can almost imagine are are grafted into a vine. Paul will say later on in some of his his epistles that, that we are adopted as daughters and sons of God, Galatians 4, elsewhere. That's a beautiful image. Or remember uh, in, 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 one of, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses this image that, that we are members of the body of Christ, that Christ is the head, and we are all members of one body, all signifying that we are united with Christ and united with each other, by the way, is beautiful imagery. Come with me, just, just imagine with me back as, at a younger age. Uh, I had this experience. I'm guessing many of you did as well. Um, growing up, were any of you invited uh, to, to ask Jesus into your heart? You familiar with that language? Um, there was this little booklet that came out that my heart, Christ's home. Um, ask Jesus into your heart. I remember at like a very young age, my dad coming in and, and I asked Jesus into my heart. If you think about that, it, it seems simple and maybe childlike, but doesn't that capture the imagery beautifully in John 15? that Jesus Christ dwells in me and I dwell in Jesus. It's really a simple but profound way to help kids and I think actually adults as well realize that Jesus, no, Jesus does live in me, in my heart. It's beautiful imagery. Or, or maybe, maybe like me, when you were growing up a little bit later in life, they, they started using language about a personal relationship with Jesus. You familiar with that language? 
Um, and I remember that was, that was profound for me because it, it, it reminded me that this, this union or this, it's a relationship, it's interactive, right? Um, but again, what do relationships signify? Two people that are, that are together. And so both of these images that we use at younger ages, I think, are actually helpful for us to begin to understand what this theological concept of union with Christ means. What does it mean that, that I live in Jesus and Jesus lives in me, that we are one? I think these help us understand this reality. But then how does that play out in practice, right? How does one abide in Christ? What does it look like? And, and how do we know that we're abiding? And, and suddenly we're, we're getting to the next word that we're going to study, which is fruit. Let's talk a little bit about fruit. Remember, Jesus commands his disciples to abide, meaning, meaning this is something that, that they, that we actively participate in, right? He commands in the imperative, abide, remain in me, right? This is an imperative, a command. Uh, but put in, the, put in the simplest terms, to abide in Christ is to be with Christ. And the most basic way that we spend time with Christ is what we would call prayer, and if you receive the emails, if you want to receive the emails, just let me know and we can get you. But I, I, we talked a little bit about that in the emails, that, that prayer, more broadly speaking, is just spending time with Jesus. And we're going to spend the whole summer talking about and learning about prayer and hopefully entering into practices of prayer. But in John 15, Jesus seems pretty clear that the expectation for abiding in the vine is fruit. Fruit. There, there is a, in other words, there's a tangible outcome or benefit that comes from abiding in the vine. In fact, Jesus says quite plainly that, that if, if there, are, there is no evidence of fruit, then that's a sign that there is a serious problem, that we're not connected to the vine, right? So let's just explore this word, this concept in the teaching of Jesus as well as the rest of the New Testament as well. Uh, the, the, the word translated as fruit in the, in the Greek is the Greek word karpos, we started. We might as well continue. You want to say that with me? Karpas? Karpas. Yeah, karpas. Uh, it's used only 10 times in John's gospel. Eight of those times, though, are right here in John 15. In the other gospels, Jesus almost always uses this word fruit in, in a metaphorical sense. Okay, almost always used in a metaphorical sense to represent kind of the end product or the byproduct of of actions or activities, right? Uh, the example that, that fruit can be good, it can be bad, but fruit tells you something. An example from, from Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about good fruit and bad fruit. He says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. He's talking about fruit, but you see it's a metaphor for the outcome, the byproduct of one's life. So Jesus is telling the disciples that there should be some positive, recognizable result that is fruit from the disciples of Jesus who are abiding or remaining, living in the vine. Now let's look at the Apostle Paul because in Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul really picks up on the same language in a pretty familiar, for many of us, passage when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's on the screen. Let me read it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And maybe some of you have some children's song ringing in the back of your head right now, right? 
it seems that at least in part, this fruit, according to Paul, is the Spirit's work in the life of the disciple, the follower of Jesus who abides in Christ, and this speaks to some level of change or transformation or formation, or that is stated in our vision statement, formed by Jesus, right? To see everyone joining in the journey of being found in and formed by Jesus, here, the imagery of, of the branch grafted into a vine, I think, is, is really helpful and informative uh, because it, it, it reminds us who is doing the forming, formed by Jesus, right? So often we think of formation as like our own personal endeavor or quest, right? But this imagery of, of a branch in a vine really helps us understand who is doing the forming. Because becoming people, becoming disciples who exhibit and produce fruit, such as the fruit of the Spirit, it's helpful to remember that that is not really a matter of the will. What do I mean by that? I cannot will myself to become a more patient, kind, self-controlled person. I can't force myself to be those things. I can, I can will myself. I can choose to act in ways that look like patience, that look like self-control, that look like kindness. But the reality is, we call it willpower. All of our willpower ends at some point in the day. And for many of us, it's like 10 in the morning, right? I can only will myself to be those things for so long, but, at the, but eventually I run to the end of myself and the end of my willpower. I can no more produce those things in my life any more than a branch that is separated from the vine can will itself to produce fruit. I mean, it's just silly to even think about a, a branch that's been cut off from an apple tree and this, this withered branch is there and this, uh, like just trying to produce an apple. It can't be done. It's silly to even think about, right? A branch simply remains connected to the vine and all that is needed will flow through that branch to produce the appropriate fruit. All that's needed flows from the vine or the trunk of the tree. And the better the connection, the better connection that branch has to the vine or the, the tree trunk, the better and the more fruitful the fruit, right? For disciples of Jesus, the fruit comes not by our own effort and willpower, but rather as we deepen our connection, as we abide in the vine that is Jesus Christ. And this is where the, the, the spiritual disciplines become tools that help us abide. We talk about the spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting and worship and, and the scriptures. And we talk about uh, other things like, like practicing Sabbath. Like these are all practices that aren't an end of them, in, of them, in and of themselves, but they're practices that help us abide and live in Jesus Christ so that the Spirit will flow in and through our lives. Quick side note, notice in John 15, Jesus speaks of pruning. The word there really means cleaning or cleansing. There's two words, same word. And, and, and pruning reminds us that sometimes there are things in our lives that hinder fruit production, that, that hinder us, and that need to be removed. Again, I'm not a gardener, uh, but I know well enough that, that you can't just let certain trees, especially fruit trees, just grow on their own. You need to prune the branches so that they'll produce the best fruit. 
Anyone who has fruit trees, can you agree with that? Amen? Just someone pretend. Yeah, okay. Right? And so it reminds us that there are things in our lives that are actually hindering us from producing fruit and hindering us from abiding in the vine. And I don't know about you, but like in our modern digital age, there, there is so much busyness and, and digital distraction and competing voices. And some of those things need to be pruned and cleansed for us to fully abide in the vine. And, and I say that not as one who's looking at you, but one who's looking in the mirror at my own life. And I see how much of my own time and energy is consumed by things that really could be pruned off in my life. Fruit. Finally, Jesus' word reminds us that this journey is not simply a private, individualized journey toward personal growth and enlightenment, okay? Because this third word reminds us that it's not about us, but it extends beyond ourselves, this word love. Because this is all centered in love, and for something to be centered in love, it can't just be about me. Because love, by its own nature, extends beyond ourselves, In verse 9, Jesus' language shifts uh, in in a way that's noticeable, right? From speaking about remaining in the vine and bearing fruit to talking about love. And in the second section alone, verse 9 and following, Jesus mentions love either as a noun or a verb nine different times. That's a lot. Jesus focuses in on love. The Father loves Jesus. Jesus loves us. Abide, live, rest in that perfect love. Now remain and abide in love. And this love will then flow out from us to others as fruit. A quick word study on this word love. Maybe you know this, but the Greek language has about half dozen or more words uh, for love. Um, from philo, where we get Philadelphia, which is like brotherly love, right? Uh, to other words like eros. But this word here is the word agape. You might be familiar. This is probably the most familiar of the Greek words for love. Uh, it is the word agape. Agape is the purest, most selfless form of love. It is a love without condition. We say unconditional love. That's a good way of putting it. It is love that is unmerited, unearned. It is a love that is, is not a feeling or a passion of the heart, something we feel in our, in our emotions or our desires. But actually, agape is actually more an act of the will. Because we choose to love, we, we act out love, we put love into action when we think about agape love. Some examples. Agape love uh, is, is the nurse who offers loving, good care to patients even when they are ungrateful or rude. Agape love is is the neighbor who, maybe despite neighborhood disagreements, finds out that their neighbor is ill or has become unable to do some of the yard work, just steps up unasked and begins mowing and taking care of their lawn. Hopefully that's not me because I'm going to ruin your lawn, right? (laughs) Agape love is is the church family who steps up to support one of their own who's going through unimaginable circumstances. And you step up without even being asked. Agape love is the parent whose child wants nothing to do with them. And yet that parent would still give anything to bring them back home. Or to put it in Jesus' own words, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
what we're about to remember at the table. That's agape love. That Jesus Christ laid down his life willingly for you and for me. Now notice in this passage, John 15, Jesus, as he talks about love, there's another word that begins to kind of rise to the surface. It is the word command. The command to love each other as Christ has loved each of us. There's another uh, aspect of discipleship that extends beyond personal formation. It's the third piece of our vision statement. We call it following Jesus. To see everyone joining in the journey of being found in, formed by, and following Jesus. When we speak of following Jesus, we think about following Christ's example and living as Jesus lived. And this is best summarized in the way that Jesus summarized how he lived, which is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, they, they hinge on these two commands, right? And here's where the Spirit's formation begins to intersect with the disciples' will. As we said before, I might, I might not be able to, to will myself into becoming a loving person. Right? I can't will myself to, to be self-controlled or, or patient. That's a work of the Spirit within me. But I can choose to align my will with the Spirit's ongoing work in my life that's producing fruit in, of character, right? I can align my will with the Spirit's work of fruit production, right? The Spirit is one way that you can imagine how it works. The Spirit does this inner working to build and produce character, the fruit of the Spirit in my life, and then, then, then I move to align and act on that fruit production in my life. This is the Spirit's work in our lives. It's, the it's how we participate with God's work in the world. And it's not linear, Right? Sometimes we might not be feeling loving, but we, we understand this is God's word, so we, we choose to live that way, and that becomes part of the Spirit's work of forming our heart and producing fruit in our lives. It's not linear. It's more of this kind of circular dance right? of, of formation and following, and it takes time. John 15 offers a powerful, helpful word picture that helps us understand this call of discipleship to be found in Jesus which means that we understand our identity, our life is in Jesus. The abiding, this abiding in Jesus produces fruit. And by the, so by the Spirit's work, we're formed by Jesus to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And this formation leads us to following Jesus in love, to live our lives in love of God and to live our lives in love of our neighbors. And this is what we call discipleship. Now, as we close, as we wrap up our time, we can, we can understand the basics of how, how all this works, right? We can understand the basics. So just like I understand the basics of, of how, to, how, to plant, uh, how plants grow in a garden, like I understand how that works, or, or I understand the basics of, of how to treat a lawn so that you grow this lush, beautiful green lawn, and, and yet that doesn't mean that my garden or my lawn is going to transform overnight. You with me? It takes years of gardening experience. It takes years of, of growing and learning the knowledge and the expertise of what it takes to, to work the soil, to, to weed out the weeds. And, and, and not only that, but I've learned this, especially maybe with, with lawn care, but there is this cumulative impact 
where multiple seasons you're sticking to those good practices and it all will lead to a more fruitful garden or lush, weed-free lawn. And uh, as, as we did our garden, we had to learn in season two that bigger's not better, that it's helpful to focus. And so we went from this massive plot to little four-by-eight box gardens, right? And that went a little, little bit better. We, we learned the importance of nurturing the soil and, and soil composition. I'm making it sound like we did way more. We, we really never got off the ground. But we learned, that the, we learned the reasons why, right? And then, and then more recently, I'm, I'm learning about what my lawn needs, right? And, uh, and, and I'm about ready to, to hire that out. But just so you know, uh, Scott's step two, it it's, needs to happen soon, okay? So I'm trying. I'm trying. Four-step process, Okay. But I say that, and, and, and really I think it becomes a helpful illustration as we think about the life of discipleship, as we think about apprenticeship to Jesus. Finding our home in Jesus, being formed by Jesus, following Jesus, experiencing fruitfulness, it takes time. It takes nurturing. It takes years. It takes a lifetime. And oftentimes it takes others to come alongside you. It is a journey that we're all invited into travel together as the Church of Jesus Christ, which is why in our vision statement we say joining in the journey. I know some of us are impatient. I'm impatient. Like I want it to happen in an instance, but it is a lifetime journey of ups and downs covered in God's grace. And friends, as we gather around this table, to remember this reality. We come, to, we come to this table to receive nourishment that's offered by the vine that is Jesus Christ. And we gather, we gather here around a loaf of bread and a cup of, of juice, remembering that, that just as the fruits, these grapes, have been gathered from many fields into one cup, as the grains that were harvested came from many fields where were ground into flour and baked into one loaf, so we come together as God's people as one. From all different walks of life, from many different parts of the globe, we gather together and we are not only united with Jesus Christ in this meal by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we are united to one another because we're not intended to do this journey on our own. And so friends, hear and respond the invitation of our Lord who offers himself, willingly laid down his life, died, suffered on a cross, rose again so that we might experience life, nourishment. Just as this loaf will nourish our physical bodies, so the Spirit nourishes our very souls. And so we come anticipating what God will do. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that that you give us these, these word pictures. You give us not just word pictures in the teaching of Jesus, of a vine and branches, but Lord, you give us the sacrament, which is something tangible that we can hold in our hands and taste in our mouths that that represents something intangible which is your your spiritual presence and nourishment 
So Lord, as we hear your invitation to come, Lord, may we step forward in faith to receive the gifts of God for the people of God. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God's people say, amen. Uh, just some, some brief instructions as, uh, as we prepare our hearts. Uh, we'll have two stations up front. Uh, as After you're invited, when you feel ready, uh, please come forward down these side center aisles. Uh, partake, take a, a piece of bread, take a cup, uh, move this way around the outside. I don't have two hands available, so you know what I mean. Just mirror my actions. There's a trash receptacle. If, uh, if, if you require or prefer gluten-free, there is a gluten-free station in the back. Uh, if you require or would just prefer to remain seated, just raise your hand and someone will, will serve you where you are at. Um, I was reminded this morning um, in a powerful way uh, of, God's, of God's grace. Um, as I was just spending time in quiet and, and kind of going over um, my own um, insufficiencies, you know, in, in my own prayer life, things that I, I wish I was doing better, um, I had this moment where, where God's grace just covered me. And maybe someday we'll have time to share the fullness of that story. Um, but it was just this powerful reminder that, that this is grace. Okay, so as we talk about abiding in the, the vine and fruit, and there's a lot of temptation to begin kind of self, being self-critical, and no, 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 there's compassion and grace. And so come and receive the grace of God. We come with faith, whatever faith we have in this moment to receive God's grace. And in light of that, remember once again the events of that final night of Jesus with his disciples. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Friends, we come to the table of our Lord as sinners who have been forgiven by the lavish love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who did all that was necessary for us to be forgiven, restored, and redeemed. Come, for all things are now ready. Savior, I come, quiet my soul, remember that redemption's hill where your blood was spilled for my ransom, everything I Self dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me 
the cross, bear your love for now. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Today we're going to rise together and sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Just a reminder, uh, after the service, you're free to enjoy some wonderful donuts and refreshments, uh, or come forward and uh, be refreshed uh, by receiving the gift of prayer. Uh, we'll have just a couple people up front uh, to pray with you uh, in whatever way you would like to receive prayer as we step forward uh, on this journey together. Amen? We don't journey alone. Amen? We journey together. And so as you go from here, receive God's blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. God's people say, amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need sin runs deep your grace is more your grace is found is where you are where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand I fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh God, how I need